This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, it's me, Lisa Traeger, with another episode of Enemies. Thank you for listening. Obsessed with all of you. I'm in Jamestown, New York, in a glorious hotel. It's like log cabin vibes, huge on a lake, loving it. Um, it's across the street from the Ugly Lucy statues. I don't know if that was like news that circulated in your hearts and minds, but years ago, some artists made a statue of Lucille Ball, and it was so ugly that they had to make another one with a different artist so it didn't look so ugly. Maybe I'll post photos or just Google ugly Lucy statue. Let's get real, everybody. Um, so excited to be here. My best friend's family's here and it's just like lake vibes, small town vibes. Everyone knows each other. You can get a steak full dinner for like $15. It's truly heaven, heaven on earth. Um, and there's a bar called the swamp and I can't wait to go and it's on a swamp and oh my God, I'm going to live my fucking fantasies. Um, been traveling everywhere, really had no enemies on the flight. Like what? Um, um, everyone at the airport was behaved and great and incredible. Oh, actually, that's not true. Spoke too soon. I just remembered two separate men were like, hey, you look tired. Who are you, bitch? Why are you talking to me? What if this is just my face? What if I am tired? It's Sunday. I'm wearing sweatpants. I'm tired. Um, but I just, you know, there's just some things that I can't believe that are still in the culture. You know, don't ask someone if they're pregnant. Don't do that. Don't ask someone. Don't just tell someone they look tired. A stranger? Are you negging me? Did you think it was a compliment? Like, what do you want from me? What do you? So now you're going to get into a conversation where I'm going to complain about like, Oh, work. Or you say that to someone who's gone through like tragedy and now like, do you want to be included in some, that's what I'm going to do next time. Well, my mom told me never to lie about health or real stuff because you don't want to put that stuff into the universe and then it comes back and just kind of an issue. I just worked with my acting coach, Ted, and I'm obsessed with him. I love him so much. And I feel so lucky that he's in my life and pushing me um, into cool stuff. It was like a dramatic, a dramatic role. So We'll see what happens. JK, I know what's going to happen. I'm not going to get it. Why do I keep saying JK? Um, also, I had the best time in San Diego. Thanks to everyone I met. If you're listening, like we had so much fun. Um, but it is funny, like the difference between being high and drunk. So my friend Molly Meet Brick, hopeful future guest, um, they opened for me in San Diego. And so then we get back to the resort type hotel and we're walking and we wanted to just kind of like walk around, chill by the pool even though it was late at night and there was a guy in a wife beater and immediately like my senses were like I don't trust him I don't like him we will end up in a ditch and he was like what do you got there and it was just liquid deaths I think he thought we had beer but liquid death it's just water that looks like beer and so um then he came and like blocked the entryway and we weren't able to walk around and I was just like we're going this way and then he said oh well I'm going this way but then he didn't and he just like stood there but because I was high I'm like spiraling, spiraling, spiraling. Like he's going to kill us. We're going to end up dead. Oh my God. Um, and then Molly was kind of drunk and having a good time so they were like oh let's just hang let's just walk this way it's no big deal it's short I'm like we're not walking in that hallway he is there and and they were like it's fine dude like everything's cool and it's like it's just so funny the difference between high and drunk because I'm sure if I was drunk I'd be like what up big boy but because I was high I was just like imagining my skin being peeled off of me with like a cheese grater and I was like absolutely not but then I ran into a guy with a security you know t-shirt on and I go hey 
there was a guy that creeped us out. Can you like walk us to our building um, and to our hotel? And then he touched my lower back. He ended up being creepy. And then he kept walking and Molly had to be like, we're good. We'll find we're good. We're at the building. Like he was going to walk us all the way to the room. And it was just like, oh, my God, is this like it follows where the guy I asked for help is actually the one who's going to fucking kill me. So it was whatever. I had a great time in San Diego. Please come out to Caroline's in New York on August 26th, 7th and 8th. I will be there with some great friends. Sorry, this has become um, a plug station, but that is it is what it is, honey. Also, I am like kind of talking to someone, some flirts, some moments, and it is so weird, like to be kind of public. It's just not fair. Like someone can know so much about you. I'm so open. Like you can listen to all these podcasts and know everything about me. And then you're on a date or texting and asking me questions. Nah, bitch, ask your own questions and then answer them for me. I know nothing about you. You know everything about me. So stop asking me questions. You you just tell me about yourself. You already know a bunch of fucking shit that's going on. Um, I think that's all I can focus on right now, um, even though you're all obsessed with me. No, uh, we have great episodes, great fun times. Today we're talking to Zena Coda, which is very exciting. Um, she is the host of a podcast called Everything's Political, and she is the head of Global community and influencers at 2k games hello nba and like wrestling i think cool stuff and she's the co-founder of asian american collective which is a non-profit so that is really cool yeah we had a good chat honest chat i think we really got deep into a personal fight with friends yeah it got like really um interesting and I really appreciated it and it's awesome that with this podcast not only do I get to talk to old friends and people I've known forever um, or people that I've fought with but I also get to meet new people and get to know them and how everyone you know works and she was able to talk about just dynamics within romantic relationships friendships how we come from different places and I just really had a great time so I hope you enjoy this episode of enemies with Zena Coda. And that's Xena with a Z, not an X. Xena, hello. Thank you so much. What the fuck is up? Um, Well, I'm thrilled. I mean, I will complain just a little bit. I did get tattooed today a couple hours ago, and I'm in so much pain. And I was a baby, and it was the worst. Where did you get it? I got it, like, what is that called? Oh, I have one. It hurts so bad. <laughs> it's so it bad. It wasn't even big, and I asked for two breaks because I just it hurt. Did you get high before? Is is really the trick, actually? Truly, I some days I just have to be high from the moment I wake up, and then <laughs> some days is not. What about you? Um, my days. What's your right? stoner? No, what's your stoner work balance? Ooh. Now that I'm old and can't remember anything anyway, uh, it's a little bit harder for me to function on those days. But, you know, it's like green juice, a little joint, a little hit of the pen. Uh, but I'll tell you this in my uh, rock star days. <laughs> Definitely got to hire a few times before work. I, I got to say many, many um, edibles in the middle of the day. Fuck yeah. And did you grow up here in California? No, I'm actually, I'm a East Coaster. I'm from New York and New Jersey, um, if you can't tell by my voice. But you can tell by my nails, for sure, because they're always fun. Uh, nails and hoop earrings and a lot of gold, so I, I stay true to Jersey roots. And I actually have a Jersey tattoo. 
Where, okay, so yeah, I like that you have tattoos. I hate the pain. So you have big ones. You like, you kind of thrive in the pain. I don't really thrive. I haven't been tattooed in a while, to be honest. So respect okay. that you went you went in right now and did it yourself. I, I, I'm a pussy ass bitch these days and I can't really, uh, I can't handle it as much as I can. But yeah, I have some big tattoos, some that are horrible, some that are great. It's It's kind of the price of being a tattooed person in 2022. Well, it's kind of cool. You do so. You're a professional. You know, you're an exec at 2K Games. And my nephew did say, "Can she get me 2K23?" And I was like, "Sure, <laughs> I'll let her know." And he, he was like, "I'm kidding." I was like, "Well, I don't know what's up, but it's the new basketball game." Yeah, but it's you're coming. Working, you're like uh, a boss bitch exec, but I love that you're tatted. You do love to hit the va- you know the vape in the morning, and so I'm kind of loving this balance that I'm hearing from you. Not the not these days, sadly. These no. days, I'm I'm very straight laced these days. Um, but my weekends, I guess, sassy. I live in I live in Los Angeles, so you know I partake in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot of shit, and I run a nonprofit too, which is insane. But you know, I I like to stay busy. You're very busy. So I guess. Yeah, you have a podcast, you have the mm-hmm. nonprofit, you have a real job. And then <laughs> I guess I'm wondering in terms of relationships and being social, is that something like how do you stay so busy and have a social life and like focus on the relationships around you? I do it really well, but truthfully, I don't know how the fuck I do. Um, I, I really I schedule time for everybody. I really try to, to stay on top of people's lives. And I, I think what's kind of helpful is what I do for a living on both the nonprofit side and on my professional side and also with the podcast side, right, is very vocal and very, in, like, you have to talk to people and what I'm doing, right? So I kind of love being out there, but I'm also, like, I'm, I'm an extroverted introvert, if you know what I mean. Like I always say that, and my <laughs> best friend laughs in my face, and she's like, you're an extrovert, stop lying to yourself. And I'm like, no, I do have, I need time alone. I'm not, like, fully, constantly energized by people. Oh, well, I, I get it, because if you're, you're, like, I've seen your stand-up, right? <laughs> you, well, you got- I'm just glad that you said that. Like, to me, I'm just like, yes, you get it, and I, I validate that that is a real thing. Yes. Don't let them shame you. Don't let them shame you. No, I agree. I mean, I, I think that you can enjoy being outside with people and meeting people. But like when I want to go away, I go away. <laughs> I unplug. I, you, I am not accessible to anybody. I love being alone. I love walking alone. I'll drink at the bar alone. I don't care. You know, like I'm an only child. So maybe that's that's just a symptom of it. <laughs> but yeah, for sure. I, I'm, I'm an extroverted introvert for sure. And what are so do you go to an office every day? I don't. I don't anymore. Let me take you back to my baby days in New York, right? So I was like an on-air personality when, you know, it was like still a fucking job. <laughs> and, and and did that and would go to the studio. I was on Sirius XM. Then would go like film at a studio. Can you imagine? These? I mean, I'm sure you do because you do this work, but... It was so crazy back in the day. You would get, you know, get dolled up, get in front of the teleprompter, like record your segments for your cool $500 an episode, right? Like how the fuck people did this for a living, whatever. And like, I I would do that. And then I would go to an office and work all the time too, because I was living in New York and there was, you know, everything's so fucking expensive. So I would go to an office religiously for like, I feel like almost two decades. (laughs) And then out of nowhere with the, with the pandemic, I just stopped going to an office. Do you miss it? Are you one of the people that want to go back? I miss it sometimes. So I've been going, I've been trying to force myself to go to Soho House like once a week and just be with people. Okay, and- that's a brag. <laughs> Someone's in Soho House. Are you utilizing the pool? 
uh, you better believe it. That's the only reason I'm there. I know. It <laughs> the skin don't get tanned. Nice. <laughs> the skin don't get tan on his own. You can come with me. We can go to the pool and, and work together. Um, I read something that you wrote for Ad Weekly. And oh, Ad what I Ad Week. Um, and what I loved, and I always say this, is um, I really enjoyed you talking about time and how that's our most valuable asset. And it's not money. And I really feel like I talk about that a lot. And I enjoyed reading it. Well, thank you for reading it. Uh, I was in, I was in the writing purgatory for a long time because I used I used to be a music journalist and I wrote a lot for very little money and it's been really actually fulfilling. Kind of writing, I guess, more like think pieces or just kind of like self help pieces <laughs> um, for Ad Week, just about like how you can kind of pivot your energies and that kind of stuff. But yeah, time is fucking precious. It's the number one commodity, right? Like. Think about it when you're in your deathbed. You think about the time. You don't think about the money. I mean, you've worked in so many different industries. So who's the most crazy? Who's the most confrontational? Who's the chillest <laughs> to work with? Like in terms of you have, uh, yeah, video game energy, journalist energy. Um, what else did you? Oh, yeah, the nonprofits. Like how does it compare working with all those different types of people? I mean, I was in, I was in music for a majority of my career, right? Like even the journalistic piece was, was rooted in music. All musicians are fucking crazy. I was in a band for 15 years, which is why I have this huge, we got the, we have the twin. What is, is this a bicep that we have? What is it like a bicep in, incep? I don't <laughs> even know. <laughs> well, you could tell the high school and uh, college, this, this state education did really well for me. Um, yeah, working in music, there's a bunch of fucking crazies, right? Like, and, and you work in the entertainment industry and I feel like, yes, actors, comedians, all of those folks are nuts, but music is a specific shade of crazy like the people are the product always like there's no script <laughs> the script is your life right like so I, I would say who's crazy um a lot of them probably countless I can't even think of like a specific crazy off the top of my head and but, did, uh, so did you interview a bunch of musicians for your job Oh, yeah. So I worked on both sides of the business when I was in music because I was there for so long. I worked in marketing and I worked as a, a journalist. So I was interviewing bands. Ironically, I was like super into heavy metal music at the time. So I was like the chick on the heavy metal station. Um, so I interviewed, you know, all, 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 your, all the big bands. I love the Deftones. So I interviewed them. Lamb of God, right? Like, like heavy metal, bro, kind of shit. Um, so obviously I got to hear because satellite radio is, was national. And at that time, like the only, na like one of the only national platforms. Okay. Who's the hottest? Who's the hottest? Oof. Chino Moreno for the Deftones, for sure. Okay. And is My it because you like the music or is he like a hunky dude? <laughs> he is one of a kind for sure. He's an OG. He's a legend. It's okay. pretty hot. I like, yeah. I like a sexy Mexican man, you know, like, I mean, he's no Jason Momoa, right? Like to me, that's the number one. Oh, yeah, he's my top two. Yeah, Jason Momoa is so, and he seems like fun, like a scrunchie on your wrist. I kind of like, I just am obsessed with him. I hope he likes heavy metal. That will just like round out my whole, my whole image of him. <laughs> I bet even if he's not, he's open-minded enough to accept it. Absolutely. I believe in him. Um, did you get hit on a lot by these metal bands? Oh, my God, yeah. It was ridiculous. This was pre-Me Too, right? Like... People were just ridiculous. I mean, by the way, I got hit on, but I willingly accepted many times. 
<laughs> you know, I, hell yeah. I, hell yeah, fuck yeah. Like, listen, let me enjoy this job for what it's worth. Dudes have been doing this forever, right? I'm going to fuck dudes from bands that I like too, if I'm, if I'm interested in them. Right. But you know, I'm reformed now I'm married and I'm, I'm a good girl, but it definitely, you know, it was fun. It, who doesn't want to like interview? It's like, it's like something out of a nineties movie. Yeah. And then they would be like, come to the show. Yeah. Of course. Can you give me backstage passes? Oh, my God. I really I love that. The glory days. The glory days. Who did you end up marrying? Ooh, I got a good story. I actually um, I moved to L.A. from Brooklyn in 2015 and was working for Motown Records at the time. And I got in a car accident and through the car accident ended up meeting my husband. He was working at the Enterprise on a car. Oh, wow. <laughs> I married a mad, like mad different, like mad, basic, completely different dude than I had expected. But I love it because he's just awesome. He was the Enterprise guy. And then you yeah. just started flirting. So it was a funny story because my car, I moved to L.A. You'll appreciate this as a fellow Angelino. I got in a hit, hit and run on the 101 after buying a new car between oh. Silver Lake going into downtown. And my car got totaled within a week of owning it. I had no, ins- I had like the shitty insurance that comes when you buy a car, you know, like replace within a month. So I brought it to a body shop that was in Culver City and I was living in Silver Lake. So that's a, that's a trek for anybody who doesn't know LA, it's a trek, right? And I had to rent a car and he was working at the rental car place. Um, he didn't ask me out right away though. He told, he later told me his methodology here. You don't ask out. When they first come in, you got to wait until they come back and return the car because you don't want to be creepy, right? I was like, I'm not the first girl you fucked from Enterprise, am I? (laughs) (laughs) So then I went back and I was like, I had had the car for two weeks and there were some scratches that had surfaced on it. So when I went back, I wore some hoe shit because I wanted to, you know, not pay for it. And he was there and then he asked me out and then I gave him a shot and the rest is history. Then he never left after that. (laughs) And so that was in 2015. Yes, 2015. Fantastic. And do you guys? Did you guys both get raised in the same kind of conflict styles? So when you got together, like, did you guys have to adapt the way you interact and stuff? Oh my god! What a wonderful question. So psychological. Uh-huh. So psychological. <laughs> um, no, we were both fucking nuts. So my husband moved to LA. What what I discovered was like. You know, I was a podcaster. I was working at a record label, working in the music world, man. And he came here. He was working in film production, actually, then wanted to move. You'll, you'll appreciate this. To L.A. to become a screenwriter, right? Like, <laughs> nobody's, nobody's trying to do that here at all. Um, so, you know, like, it was interesting because, like, I'm a music expert and he is, like, the film expert. And I, like, never really cared about films, to be honest. So we kind of started to like, I started to learn a little bit about, you know, that part. And he learned a little bit about the music world. And the interesting thing is I had never really dated like a straight white dude before. (laughs) I'm Filipino. And most of the guys I dated had been Hispanic or like if they were a white dude, it was like neck tattoo, hand tattoo, like punk rock guy. Right. And my husband's very cute, straight laced white guy. Um, So I think the cultural differences took a while actually to get used to. And the questions about, you guys are cute, but like together, it's interesting. I never, you know, he has no tattoos, super light skin. I'm like tan. Like it was, it was an interesting cultural thing for me, but um, we're fire and fire. And we had to learn how to not be fire and fire over the last seven years. (laughs) 
So even though he didn't have like the spider web tats, still fire energy. Yeah, because I need someone to talk shit to me. You know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't have a pussy ass bitch next to me. Like I need somebody who can kind of go toe to toe. I'm from New Jersey, and what worked out actually is he's from Baltimore, so we're both from the East Coast, and just so happened to meet in um, in Los Angeles randomly. So there is hope for love randomly in the middle of LA. So what were the big cultural things? Um, oof, a lot of things. I mean, I came from a very like entrenched music culture where it's like you're going to shows since you're young, you're playing shows, you're like growing up in a community where it's like you're with the same types of people over and over and over and nationally too. Cause like you meet friends that are touring here doing whatever, like you have a network of people right through that. Um, I never really knew much about film or right? like that wasn't like that kind of profession didn't seem like, I don't know. I didn't know anything about it. Right. So that's kind of like the pedigree and like the way that he came up. Um, he's very, into politics. I'm into politics and civics. Actually, I think that's why I do a podcast called Everything's Political. Um, but I, I think like the cultural things were like, I came from an immigrant household and worked my way up and made every dollar for myself, right? Like my mom, I didn't come from money. His family's a little bit more well off. Like he didn't have to struggle as much as I did. I paid for college myself, right? Like that kind of deal. And I think it was, it was definitely difficult for me contextually growing up to like, I felt resentful, honestly, to that shit. Like, I didn't come for money. Like, I never, and I always felt like I had to struggle and do more in order to do, like, normal shit. So, you know, meeting him at first, I was like, damn, man, this guy's had a life, a nice, like, little easy, easy pathway. So those cultural things, I think, matter, especially when you're in a relationship, because it, it does, if you let it, it can create a little bit of resentment, right? Like, well, fuck you. Why did I have to work so hard, right? <laughs> and it's ironic now, because I'm the provider, right? Like, and he's my support. <laughs> Yeah, I never really thought about that, but I usually judge rich kids all the time. <laughs> Did you grow up rich? So I'm an immigrant as well from the former Soviet Union. Ooh. So it was like, um, you know, tiny apartment um, and like fresh immigrants learning English. But my parents are they're good. They like bought the townhouse. They still have it. They like paid for my school and I feel really lucky. But my sister had a different. So she came like mm. I was only, I was like three years old and she was 13. So she had to get a job in high school. She had to pay for her own college. She got her own car. She's so responsible. She helped them pick out a house. And then by the time I was a teen, they were more comfortable. You know, they'd been in the country for a decade. And so I got like a coach purse and a car. And so my sister, of course, hated me. Um, <laughs> I don't know if she outwardly, but I was a brat. I was just like a suburban brat. And she was like a Soviet refugee who like, you know, had to work at warehouse of fashions. So we just had uh, different. <laughs> she gets you the discount right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. All the gifts came from there. And so, uh, but I, what annoys me is like be rich. Obviously we're all different. And if you're talented, you're talented and family business going into this, I get all that. Just admit it. And that's what bothers me. It's like they don't they don't. My friend Robbie Hoffman and she might have said this on the podcast, but it's like all you all rich people don't get. They can't say that they were self-made and they hate that. Oh, and yeah. So they like hide it and they pretend they're not rich and they just want to deny it so bad. And I would respect it more if they were just like, I'm rich. Sometimes and, and sometimes again, like I don't think they even know <laughs> they, or they don't realize how poor poor can get or like what the implication of that is right like 
paying for college. I remember the conversation because my mom's an immigrant, right? My dad, my dad was white, but my dad was broke as fuck. He was poor. And talking with my mom about it, she was like, oh, college. Okay. You're gonna have to figure out how to get that money. I was like, are you serious? Because I see, you know, I see people around me and I didn't grow up in a rich, I grew up in the hood, right? I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna have to figure this out. And I remember thinking like, I can't even imagine all the shit I could have done if I didn't have to worry about money. But also like, so I've been through a lot of therapy (laughs) and there's like this whole theory about like making, you know, uh, fuck, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but like making lemonade out of lemons and like you can only do that or you can freely do that when you are entrenched in struggle. And my whole life has been a financial, emotional (laughs) struggle, right? Like everything's a fucking struggle. So it's like, once you're entrenched in that, like you can kind of, you can do anything, right? Like you're basically equipped to handle anything. Do you speak Russian? I do. Yeah. Sick. Speak Russian to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but now I'm going to get all shy, you know? One of my really good friends growing up was, was Russian. So I loved it. Every time she said something, I was like, oh so sexual and commanding. I love it. <laughs> It also, it is, it sounds aggressive, even if it's like soft, it is like an aggressive, like my sister doesn't really like speaking Russian and did not teach her kids. And it like kind of turns her off in a way. Why not? I, you gotta, I, I feel like you gotta learn when you're young. I mean, I don't speak Tagalog, which is like the Filipino language, but I can understand when people are talking shit about me, which is often. Now, well, I do have a fantasy of like someone saying something shitty uh, about someone and then I understand what they're saying and I get to say something rude in Russian, like and protect people. Like I do have that fantasy. It's like, a, it's sick. It's really sick, but it is a perk of speaking another language. Like you could be like, oh, I can listen in and they don't think that people can understand them. So it's cool. Mm, I love it. Spy, Secrets. like a spy, right? <laughs> but yeah, rich people also. It's always like because they know richer people, they are unable to understand that they're super rich. And then you hear stuff, and then you finally realize, like, yeah, if you owned a home, your family's rich. You oh, know, yeah. like, and I don't well, especially know here I, <laughs> in LA but, for sure. <laughs> but I did. I didn't grow up thinking or knowing that because I think everyone in the suburb, like, they owned. I just. That, like, kind of opened my mind when I heard that, too. I was like, oh, yeah, that means you're fucking rich. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Paying and for it's... college is rich. And rich people just, like, do not want to admit that, like, oh, yeah, it was nice to have these certain luxuries. Or, like, I don't know. I, I took sports marketing at high school. Like, that's crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had a sports marketing class. Where is this high school? Jesus. <laughs> it's Skokie. It's, like, um, the North Shore suburbs of Chicago. And uh, we it. had like a theater workshop. I don't know. It was just all of these things. And people want to deny that those things matter to like who you're able or like how you're able to achieve. And it's annoying. It's the access, I think. Right. Yeah. So, so even those like extremely like expensive Ivy League schools, like, yeah, you have to be fucking smart to get in there. Right. But like if you can afford to spend two hundred thousand dollars right a, a year on tuition or whatever, Think of who your contemporaries are. Think of who you're actually going to school with. It's going to be other rich people who have rich families, um, who have the ability to make connections in weird places, right? So I did. That was one of the weirdest things that I identified in our deference. That to this day, I think like I'll I'll always understand, but will never fully understand to, at the same level because I didn't I did not grow up there. I went to like public school, then went to Catholic school because my mom's like you're going to end up pregnant and dead in a ditch. <laughs> for high school and she wasn't wrong because I probably would have but uh 
but yeah, like it's, it's, it's definitely makes a difference. It makes a difference. Yeah. But also I think it's a misconception that people that go to those schools are smart. They're, they're they could just be rich. That's true. That's and true. legacy. And I think a lot of them aren't that smart, but money Who's just he? lets you be bad. Wasn't there an actress that was embroiled in that scandal? What's her name again? I, I can't remember. She was some actress. Oh, Lori Laughlin's daughter yes. is about the rowing. Yes. But it's also like, bitch, what, who cares to, to go to USC? Like, you're going to be rich forever. Your dad created, like, Target clothing. Like, <laughs> relax. Like, go to whatever school and go on Instagram. It just, like, seems so silly to... Yeah, um, I don't stupid way it. for Stupid way for her to go down, for sure. So wild. Okay, we'll take a break, and then we'll listen to a voicemail and give advice. Hi, Lisa. Um, my story of an enemy is about my boyfriend's father and family all together. Um, so some context is that I am a white woman. Not great, I know. But my boyfriend is a first-generation Mexican man, and he is the oldest sibling of his family. And my enemy is his dad, who is just, you know, really classic, toxic um, masculinity. He, like, advocates for my boyfriend to just cheat on me. If um, he's not happy, because that's just, like, normal to do, I think that his dad is a liar, and he's full of shit all the time, and things that he says doesn't add up as to, like, why he needs $200 every couple of weeks, when supposedly he's, like, some bigwig. Anyway, um, my enemy is his dad. Um, obviously, there's a lot of cultural differences, and that's difficult to navigate. Also, his mom and his siblings, like, I just don't think that they treat my boyfriend with the respect that he deserves or even like a basic family member they really hold some stuff from the past over his head or just like will blatantly ignore him and things and then um I know that this pleases my boyfriend then that I won't maybe work harder to meet them halfway or meet them where they're at um but it's really hard for me because I wouldn't let my family treat me that way I wouldn't let other people treat me that way so I'm trying to be a good girlfriend and culturally competent but at the same time like those would be boundaries that um you know they they would have crossed that for me so how do I um deal with the cultural differences and you know help my boyfriend or support him and also not like lose my mind and burn the whole house down or something for legal reasons that's a joke but um yeah I'd love to hear from you and your wonderful esteemed guests whoever that may be thank you so much Oh my God, this is so heavy. I'm like, I don't know how to go over cultural differences, but I do have to say most dads suck. <laughs> like that is <laughs> kind of a vibe. Like I like my father, but he's a chauvinist. Like old men are just annoying. They're the worst patients for nurses. They're always causing trouble. They have old fashioned ideas and it's so annoying to be around old men oftentimes. I mean, I would want to see the receipt for that $200. Where's, <laughs> where is that $200 going? I mean, that it's a tricky position to be in, right? Like, actually, it's funny because, it, ironically, it's a little bit close to what we were talking about, just those cultural differences, right? Like, I, I think you're not going to win in those – yeah, so, so most dads suck. It doesn't really require a lot to be a good dad, right? Like, women bust their ass to be a mediocre mom – but men do one or two good things. And it's like, oh, my God, what a great dad. He really spends so much time with the kids. It's like, fuck off. This man is, like, barely doing anything. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, it just to me, you're not going to win in this argument, though, if he's close to his dad. Because 
guys generally, if they have a decent relationship with the dad, like are going to side with their dad. So it's kind of one of those things where you have to like maybe be as honest with your man about that and try to tell, you know, if he respects you enough, like tell him like it makes you uncomfortable or certain things may not, you know, whatever. But it just seems like a losing battle, right? Yeah, or you can be the Princess Megan and take him away from his bad family. Like, who knows? But you, I think one of my... I don't know. I'm a, I'm kind of a perpetually single person that's, like, judgmental and constantly giving couples advice on what to do. But <laughs> I do feel... I heard this on a podcast, and I wish I remembered who said it, but it's this thing of, like, just finding a soulmate and someone you get along with and, like, incredible and you want to fuck is something huge and you can't expect their whole family to be good you're asking for a lot you know most families suck so it's like you know um that is a thing and maybe you just have to accept him for being an idiot like you said he's not going to change and you just have to have like the only thing you can control is the way you react and if you take it personal and like if you yeah it's about how you react because you're not going to be able to control him. And then hopefully your boyfriend will go into therapy and then through therapy, he'll learn that he doesn't have to put up with this and be treated bad. So that's what you should focus on getting each other into therapy. If he's not already. Yeah. You don't have to marry the whole family. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have to marry the whole family. You can keep your distance and your personal time. Let them hang out without you. Yeah, and then eventually move him to another town and then you'll never have to see them again. (laughs) The slow escape. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking let them leave. Is your is so does his family live near you guys? Or everyone's in Maryland. Everyone's on the East Coast. We're all kind of scattered. So we have some that are NorCal. Um, he has a sister that's in NorCal. His one sister lives in South Africa where I'm like, let's go there, please. Uh, and his parents are in Baltimore and my mom's in New Jersey. So it kind of, it kind of works out when we go there. Cause we hit, we hit the little East coast, you know, joints or whatever. But yeah, I mean, honestly, the, one of the biggest stresses is combining families, right? Like for me, it's, it's funny because my, you know, my family, a bunch of immigrants, right? My mom is an immigrant who speaks broken English. <laughs> So it's like always nerve wracking when you have very proper white folks <laughs> who like came from a different ped- pedigree, like talking to an immigrant mind state where we basically have like broken sentences. Yeah, it's always stressful because you're like, don't say something stupid and make us look crazy, please. Thank you. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you um, when you first heard about this podcast and it was called Enemies, what came to mind? Like what stories did you think you were going to tell or like who would you be talking about? Oof. I mean, I have a lot of enemies. I'm from New Jersey. That's like what we do for sport, right? Like I, I have a, I'm a Scorpio as well. Um, yeah, sex so, demon. Yeah. Sex demon. But we just, we love fucking someone's life up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it gives me my life's blood for sure. I'll say as I get older, um, I'm learning how to cut, cut the Jersey back a little bit and not like have vendettas against people. But there's definitely people that like you keep, once you wrong me, you're dead to me for life and I will do anything to taint your name, right? <laughs> like once you fuck with me, like I I will not trust you ever again. And when I think of enemies, right? Um, I think you have like enemy enemies where you're like, if you look at them, you would never speak to them or acknowledge their presence. And I think that you have friendly enemies too, um, especially in business or if you're in entertainment or music, like music is a really big one. There's a lot of friendly enemies, right? Um, 
I think it's just kind of a part of life, right? Love and hate kind of go hand in hand. So you can't avoid it. And they all manifest themselves in your enemies. So you're not into forgiveness. Mm, Apologies. Very rarely will I take it. I'll give you once. I'll give you once. You fuck up again. We're dead. We're dead. You're dead to me. (laughs) Is there anyone that was at your wedding that now you wish wasn't there? Or that you're... No, but I did. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something about wedding planning. <laughs> wedding planning probably brings out the craziest shit in people. Like, I swear to God, across, like, your family, your friends, whatever. I lost a friend during my, my wedding planning. Um, it was some girl that I had known that we lived together. It's crazy. We, we were friends for, like, maybe 10, 12 years at that point. And we had lived together in New Jersey We'd always had good times. Like I had a girl gang in New York, right? Like, and she was part of my girl gang. And look, I'm all about dress, act however you want. But there is like a level of respect when you're around someone's significant other or husband or boyfriend or whatever. Like maybe that's not the time for that kind of outfit, right? So that we had a little weird situation where one day like I brought my husband in or whatever. Like my husband had came with me and he was a chatting a little too long for my liking with her when she when the tits were out right so i was about four or five drinks in and got a little rowdy and took him outside and spoke to him about it um and then we left the party because i was trying not to be dramatic about it and she found out that i had left because i was annoyed and felt like she was flirting with him and she never said anything to me for years right uh, like I'm talking about fucking years. First of all, my husband outed me that motherfucker. <laughs> and, and I didn't know that. Right. I didn't know. She didn't, she, we were fine. Like no, never had a problem. Then as my wedding started coming up, I'm like, Hey, are you, you, you going to come or whatever? Like, and she would keep making excuses. Like, I'm not sure. Blah, blah, blah. And it was weird. Cause we had been so close. And then out of nowhere, right before the wedding or like a few months before the wedding goes off and it's like, I'm, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Like you are not, you, you just, you're judgmental of me. I'm like, where is this coming from? <laughs> like, so now I'm her enemy, right? Like now all of a sudden I'm her enemy, but she had never said shit to me the entire time. Like never had confronted me. And I was like, you know what? Best of luck. So what Best would have happened luck. if she came up to you? Cause I'm kind of on her side. I think she should be able to wear what she wants. So let's say she came up to you and was like, I don't, you know, I w- this is how I dress. I wouldn't disrespect you. Like, I want to be friends, but like, I want to continue dressing like this. Like, what would a conversation or because it does suck for her. She should have communicated with you like an adult and came to you and been like, this bothered me or what's up or let's talk about it. Would how would that have discussion gone? Do you think I would say ultimately the problem was not even like what sucks about this is that the problem became, I don't like the way she's dressing when the problem wasn't actually about her. It was about my husband at the time because we were not in a good place. And my father, it it's more complicated than this a little bit. My yeah. father had just died that month before. Like there was a lot that had happened where I wasn't feeling good about myself. It was about my husband and me ultimately, but it was compounded by my insecurity and what she was wearing and the whole thing had just become this weird issue, right? But it had she come to talk to me, I could have explained that to her. Instead, she got the third hand explanation of this, right? So key parts of this, when we had been friends 12 years, right? And she had pulled some, and I guess I was triggered a little bit because I think that the nature of like, especially when you have a falling out with a friend, 
it always is very complex, right? She had like talked to an ex-boyfriend of mine and never said anything about, you know, like there was already things that had happened that led to my thought there. It wasn't just about what she was wearing, right? It was the actions and the intent that like made me question her in the first place, right? And I questioned my husband because he was like, pissing me off at the time right fuck him at that point at that point he really pissed me off and you weren't even that mad because you wanted her at your wedding when you did reach out it was like are you coming to my wedding like i want you there so i had forgotten about it to be honest at that point well that's what i mean so she knew that you were coming from a place of i want you in my wedding so it is weird for her to come off so aggressive but like i'm sure she didn't have the tools on how to communicate like would you do you think you'd ever talk again yeah, I asked her to speak. I was like, I would like to talk. Like, it wasn't even like there was a conversation. It was a text. It was basically like, I'm, I'm breaking up with you as a friend over text. After 12 years, like after a long ass time, not 12, but maybe 10 years, right? So that that was what bothered me that like, if, if that was burning inside of you and she thought I was putting her down, but that, by the way, when we had that conversation, we're talking about like three or four years after that had happened, that situation Whoa. had happened. Yeah. So that's why it's like crazy. You should have just said something to me. And we had had interactions. I didn't realize that there was years of friendship after that moment. Yes, years. And she had never said anything to me. And she was because her thought was like I was always putting her down. And this is why I think it's really important for people to air shit out right away. Right. Like I wasn't equipped at that time, you know, because I was still like mourning my father's death and all those things to have the conversation grief is just kind of a pass and kind of a long pass in terms of like my personal rules i let um people i let people act crazy when they're in grief because you don't know how you'll act until it happens to you it's just sad and it's fucked up and people are gonna act erratic and how can you expect them not to so to me, I'm (laughs) i'm always trying i usually like someone was kind of a bitch recently and i was just like whatever they're grieving i don't give a shit well, you're a good friend. Because that's fresh. That's also fresh. Like, I would give six months to a year, honestly, to most people. Like, I just, I a month is, like, really short. Well, death is a particular shade of you don't even understand how you'll react until it happens, right? Especially with a parent, right? Like, yeah. that's a whole other thing. And it was, like, it was not, like, it was a fucked up way of dying, basically. So... I I was really not in a good frame of mind. I was crying every day. I was fat. I was like, you know, it was like, I, you know, when you're just like, Ugh, you hate yourself, you feel like shit. And like, I was in the wrong frame, but that's actually why I didn't play that drama out in front of her. Right. Cause it wasn't her, I, I, I do recognize and I'm, I'm might be batshit crazy at times, but I do recognize that that was my own crazy that I was manifesting. Right. It was yeah. my own jealousy, my own craziness. So I didn't want to bring her into it. Because it wasn't really her business, actually, right? Like, it was about me and him and not about her. And what upset me, actually, is that when, when she went off on me, I'm like, can I talk to you about Can we have a conversation three years later about this thing that you're upset? And I think overall, after that, like, she just thought I was always putting her down. And I wasn't. Like, if anything, I've been very, like, you know, I was actually very forgiving. And when people would say shit about the way she dressed, I was like, let her dress how she wants. Like, it wasn't necessarily about the dress. I feel like that mischaracterizes a bit. It's about a bit of, like, just the evolution of our friendship and the fact that, like, she just did not say anything, like, for years about the situation. And it was a bummer. Because, like, honestly, if today she's, she was like, hey, what's up? I still love and really care about her. And I hope that she's doing well. I really do wish her the best. But it's so weird to be in a situation where you don't get to 
You don't get to explain your side of the story three years later. You know what I mean? Well, so needless to say, she didn't go. <laughs> like, I wonder why the wedding is the moment where it was like, now I'm going to bring this thing up out of nowhere. That's her being personal. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's her being personal about where she's at in her life, in my opinion. Because that was a weird thing to pull. And I was like, not only am I stressing about a wedding during the fucking pandemic that I rescheduled three times, but then I have to stress about why you're mad now all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> let me let me pull up the, the my mental database of, of fucking all the things I've ever said to you and be like, oh, I'm sorry. I was cruel to you that one time. Like, what? Like, we're from New Jersey. We talk shit to each other all the time. Like, <laughs> That's what we do. Like, it, and now all of a sudden, 10 years later, you're not comfortable with that? Like, it was weird, man. It was definitely super weird. I, I think about it often because I don't fight with people very often in my in my adult life, especially like a friend because I, I consider I have a very tight-knit group of friends that we, we've been friends forever. And like, it was really upsetting that she wouldn't at least have the conversation and hear me out because she didn't know what kind of place I was in my mind. And is she friends with your other friends? Was it like a fracture in the group or was this a little separate of a person? She was friends with my other friends because of me, because I had brought her in because we lived together. And now it's just like, well, they're going to choose me over her because they were my friends first. But also like, I, I don't want them to, right? And we have a few mutual friends who still like keep in touch. So I try not to ask, you know, I try not to ask too much about her or whatever, but I unfollowed her. So it's not like I even know what her life is up to, but it's always a bummer because like, there's just like, it's an unnecessary level of drama that like, we're way, I'm in my late thirties. I don't need to be dealing with that kind of shit. Right. Like, let's just, let's talk through it. And that also is like, did you really care about me as a friend? If you could just shut it off like that? Yeah. Probably, the answer is probably no. <laughs> I accept it. I accept it. But you know what? I got plenty of friends. And I and and honestly, the older you get, you don't really have time for people who are not going to be straightforward with you. And that's okay, right? And again, I wish her the best of luck. I really hope she has, you know, she finds what she's looking for. And I just wish though it didn't end that way. It didn't need to, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it is sad whether it's justified or you're, you know, you don't want that person in your life. There are still moments of like sadness. I related to a few parts of that because a recent, uh, recently, like last fall, I guess it's been a fucking year, but my friend of 12 years and I stopped mm. speaking and that's been different things. And then I've also been the person that got mad at one of my other friends and held it in for months and months and months and months. And then when I finally said it, they were kind of shocked by the thing, but then it was never settled. Like I did say what it was, but I don't think they took it as seriously as I hoped that they would. Did you talk but, through it with that person or are you guys still talking or? We talked for hours and it was fine. And I don't think we're enemies, but we're definitely not like hanging out all the time. And that could change in the future. But if they if they called me at any moment and needed anything, I would do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I would be open. They're my I love them. It's just like not the mo it's not the moment. We're not in the place to be friends. Friendships okay. are complex. Yeah, friendships are complex. Are. <laughs> and then the other one, I don't know. It was like all fine and dandy for a while. And then now it's like I have, I have different feelings about it. You mean your friend of 12 years? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's like. Have you talked to them recently or you just no. cut off communication? 
No, it's so we got into a huge fight last August and then we didn't speak for a few weeks and then agreed to like meet up and talk. And I took it very seriously. We both, I think, took it pretty seriously. Um, I listened to this. I had a female friendship expert. I was listening. I had she was like the first guest of this podcast, but I listened to her on a different podcast and I listened to it and took notes and I talked to my therapist and like, you know, we like met up to chat and it was good for about 40 minutes. And then the final part was. We just didn't agree on this one thing. Oh, that's tough. That's definitely tough. It was a lot of like years of resentment, weird things, not communicating. You know, when your friends in your 20s, you might not have the com- the skills to maintain certain relationships, you know, like. Oh, for sure. You grow those with mistakes. There's friendships I fucked up. It's upsetting. Um, there's some that I'm growing have been bad. I mean, it's like fucking life. Like, I don't know. It's, but you just, when you don't have the skills, it sucks. So then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm yelling because that's how I dealt with it in my house. Most people don't like to be yelled at or whatever <laughs> the kind of pattern you're raised in. Um, so it's, you know. And maybe there'll be an opportunity for you guys to connect again, but I know what you mean. Like it's, it's always hard to make the first move. <laughs> it, it's like, you know, it's like when you're reconnecting with a, you an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, right? Like you, it, it's always hard to make the first move. And I would, I would also feel pretty stunted if the friends, like the same friends group, um, were saying, don't reach out. Cause then that's also like, she, she must be bringing it up in some way possible Yeah, that they still know the tension exists. Well, yeah, we're not, we don't, we are, we do not exist. Like we, a a group was like fractured for sure in terms of easiness of hanging out. I was just actually talking to another friend about this where I miss, I don't know if this is youth or the level of, I don't know. I miss just going to a friend's house and laying on a couch and watching shows all day. Yes. I miss (laughs) the, like, there's no plans. There's no dinner. There's no pool. There's no event. There's nothing. There's just like come over let's watch housewives and chit chat with no pressure wear sweats like i'm missing that right now in my life and i like that's a bummer it gets harder as you get older because everybody's got a thing to do right and if they get married or they have kids then it's like it's not just you guys and a glass of wine right like it becomes this whole thing i used to do that too in my 20s i would always like hey come over let's 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 smoke blunts on my couch and watch murder tv yeah <laughs> like that's and me and that friend actually used to do that which was sad we loved murder we watched jody arias we knew all the killers right like we lived together so i'd roll my blunt i'd sit there and smoke like it's it's hard it's and then hard sometimes bringing 20s energy into a 30s relationship without certain growth or like things happening it's just kind of it's a bummer but my friend that i do watch shows with lives in new york so i try to go to new york often and then one mm. or two days of the trip is usually spent like bravo all day like no plans no nothing no shows that's the perfect that's a perfect date perfect yes. girl date. <laughs> yeah i miss the lounge and easiness of like having f- close friendships without kit and all that where you can just like i'm gonna come over well okay like i miss that but whatever it's yeah, hard in your 30s an girl song should play um, hello <laughs> and la is just i think kind of you know it was a transition for me coming from new york and you yeah. probably understand that how long did you live in new york for six and a half years oh yeah yeah in your I 20s um i moved there at like 25 26 i was in chicago for a while yeah 20 i'm gonna say between 24 and 26 20, i don't know i don't know anymore 
How old am I? Am I 90? <laughs> I'm going to be 35, but so, but this is my new thing where like time, I guess, does go by fast. And you're like, where was I living? What was I doing? What the fuck? But my IUD was for 10 years and I still have it. And it makes time seem short. <laughs> it doesn't That's make time gauge? seem... Yeah, because I'm like, wow, time flies. And I'm like, but still one IUD, like... I guess it's not that long, 10 years. I love that that's your, your gauge. Well, at least you have something to count the years with, right? Like, yeah. And it's internal. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let's do one more voicemail. Hey, Lisa. Um, just wanted to tell you about my enemy of the week, um, which I fucking love that. Like, sometimes one person a week sucks, and it's, like, helpful to, like, have a structure to process that, honestly. So, um this guy. So I work in this nice part of town. I'm self-employed. I'm a self-employed music therapist. I have an office in a nice part of town. Um, and there's like a parking situation that's kind of stupid. So like I said, I'm a musician. Sometimes I just have to run in and like grab a keyboard or a guitar or something and then go to like a nursing home or something. So instead of parking way the fuck far away from my office and walking all that way just for one or two pieces of equipment, I'll park in a less legal spot, but also in a spot that um, is not blocking a goddamn thing. Like, I wouldn't park there for the five minutes I parked there if it was actually obstructing anything, because I'm just not trying to do that. But anyway, I parked there, grabbed my shit, you know, I'm walking out of my office with, like, a guitar, a ukulele, a piano, and a drum, like, strapped to me, just looking like this innocent fucking music lady. And this guy is just, like, standing next to my car, and he's just staring at me. So I'm putting my shit in there, and I said, are you going to just stand there and stare at me? And he said, well, yeah, because you're not parked in a parking spot, blah, 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 blah. I said, okay, well, I've been here for two minutes. I'm picking up my shit and I'm leaving. I'm not blocking anything. So why don't you leave me alone? And he was like, no, because this is a problem and you shouldn't be parked there in the first place. Blah, 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 blah. Of course, he was like a white man in his 60s. I feel like I have to clarify that. That's just like obvious. But um, I was like, okay, well, I'm not like doing anything wrong and I just want you to leave me alone. And he was like, we don't have to be such a bitch about it. And I go, fuck off. And I like yelled it. And then there's, like, people looking, and he goes, you fuck off. And I go, you fuck off. <laughs> and I go, call me a bitch again, see what happens. And he turned around and walked away. So, I don't know. I just felt, like, really accomplished by winning that interaction. Um, I always feel accomplished when I don't just, like, buckle at someone, you know, having too much time on their hands and being a miserable old white man. Um, he's my enemy of the week, and... I'm going to continue parking in that spot if I have to pick up heavy equipment, okay? He can suck my dick. Love you, Lisa. Yay. I'm glad that he didn't call her a bitch again and turned around. That's nice. That sounds like, to me, a great day. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like actually a lot of my life in New York and New Jersey. Oh, you got some shit to say? Fuck off. (laughs) I, I mean, she stood up for herself. Good for her. Like, who the fuck are you? Why don't you mind your own business? If you want to follow the rules, you follow the rules. Don't talk to me. Yes. And if I get caught, then it's my problem. And, and when it's not bothering someone, maybe, hopefully, I mean, best case or worst case scenario, he's like a lonely, sad person. I don't know. With nothing to I, do. 
I just hate people who are such fucking nerds that like need yeah. to be up your ass for no reason. And, and honestly, life is hard enough and you have to break the rules a little bit no matter where you live, right? Like life is difficult. It, as long as it's not like she double parked by somebody's car and, and, <laughs> and obstructed anybody's like ability to do anything. Like I would have, I would have told him to go fuck himself too. Personally. Yeah. That was a great way to end this episode. What a great voicemail. No advice needed. Just handled her business. Totally. Go fuck yourself. That's what she said. <laughs> well, tell um, the people where they can find you, the podcast, you know, any information you'd love to share. Well, hello, the people. Um, hopefully I'm not your worst enemy. Um, so I have a podcast called Everything's Political, which you can find on all the streaming platforms. Uh, I talk about the politics of life. Sometimes with people who are actual politicians or you know, running for office, trying to change this this crazy old world that we live in. Um, so you can find me there. Uh, I also run a nonprofit nationally in the United States called Asian American Collective. We're a collection, a collective of dope Asians and music, entertainment, media, and all creative spaces. Because you know, I, I just wanted to create the Asian Illuminati, and we're female run, female founded. Um, you know, bitches, Asian bitches, gotta tear it up. Uh, and you can you can find me at Zenakota on all platforms to ease and no fuck that warrior princess. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even think about that. You hate I hate her. it. It drives me drives me nuts. Oh my god, have you ever watched that show, Zena the Warrior Princess? I'm like, no, I've never heard that before. I'm so sorry. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me on. This has been so fun. I love talking about enemies and all these mean, mean, satisfying things. Did you love it? But did you love it? But did you love it? So I hope you loved that episode. I really love doing this podcast. And again, if you want any advice on anything, 323-677-1943. My friend is waiting for me at the pool. So this is the shortest. I'm out. I'm out, bitches. I'm going to the pool. Enemies is a headgum podcast. Anya Konevskaya is our supervising producer. Ali Kahan is our associate producer. Rochelle Chen is our engineer, editor, and producer. And me, Lisa Traeger. I am also a producer. Hello. Thank you so much, Carly Jean Andrews, for the cover art. You are incredible. Jeff Krause, thank you for the theme music. I love it. Please follow me on Instagram, at Glitter Cheese and at Enemies Podcast. Rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. Tell us about your own enemies by emailing enemiesthepodcast at gmail.com. But really, I'd love to hear your beautiful voices. So email us a voice memo or call in and leave a message at 323-677-1943. That was a HeadGum Podcast.